uh, New York Times bestseller, I think. But isn't every book a New York Times bestseller? Right. <laughs> I don't know what that means, but it was it's really popular. Hello, and welcome to Forefront 360, where we take you all around the topic of the arts and the Christian faith. Today, we're going to have another arts review episode where we take you through some of what we've been watching or listening to or reading in our daily lives. I'm Nate Mancini. I'm one of the founders of Forefront. And joining me today is Forefront Secretary Zach Osinski. Hello. And Forefront Board Member Cody Schweikert. What's up? So to start us off today, Zach, what's been going on with you? So last night... I drove up from Urbana-Champaign, Illinois, to Chicago, Illinois, to see live for the first time Josh Garrels and the Grey Havens at Chicago Blues. Oh my gosh, it was amazing. And this was kind of my graduation present to myself. Um, I got the tickets like right before I graduated, just finished my master's degree. And um, I ended up going with this... VIP ticket experience that they offered where fancy, um, yeah, for real. Where if you paid like a certain extra fee, you could spend an hour beforehand meeting and greeting and asking questions with Josh Garrels in the in the music hall. So this is my first time going to like a concert concert like by myself, which is interesting. Um, so you're just kind of waiting around in a room full of strangers with nothing really to do. And then a guy walks on stage and says, Hey, everybody, thanks for coming. Um, I'm so-and-so I'm not really going to say much, but Josh is going to answer your questions. And then out of nowhere, Josh just like walks into the crowd (laughs) with a microphone. So we all just kind of stood there for 40 minutes while Josh fielded all of our questions and what was so interesting was that you know like we're standing in the house of blues and people are just asking questions to josh josh what's your faith background um josh you proclaim the gospel so boldly in your music can you talk about your your writing process or your artic- your artistic process or whatever and just that whole night being there through the Q&As, through the Grey Havens, and through Josh, just hearing in the House of Blues the the truths of the gospel just being sung out and proclaimed in such beautiful and skillful ways. It was really one of the more powerful concerts that I've that I've been to recently. You know, as a classical musician, I always love getting out of the orchestra hall and into a setting where just all of the the pomp and the tradition are kind of out the window and it's much more relaxed and casual and so it's just such a treat to go and see the great havens and josh Garrels. so when is uh josh going to be on the forefront 360 podcast zach well, you know, I tried to answer I I tried to ask him a question during the the Q&A time, but you know, all these other people just kept asking their questions. It was really You know, what, Zach, Zach, <laughs> you're too you're too meek and humble and kind. You know, if I were there, I would Too Christ-like. Too Christ-like, <laughs> man. 
I would have been elbowing people trying to get up to the front and I would have got that guy's contact info. Yeah. Well, you know, it was funny. It was like, I was standing basically like right behind him because <laughs> oh. we were kind of like in an arc. <laughs> so like when he walked into the crowd of people, he kind of like walked just like behind me and it was like, Oh, hi. Hi, Josh. How you doing? Um, <laughs> But, so yeah. your field of view was just like Josh's hair. It was just like all the hair. Basically, yeah, Josh's hair and like his hat. <laughs> Dude, what, was it was it like uh you get that starstruck feeling when you saw him like up close like that? It's him. You know, no actually. That's I mean, maybe it's cuz my job at school is working with performing artists uh when they come to our performing arts center. Um uh-huh. But every time I've gotten to meet an artist that I've admired for a long time, it's 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 amazing. It's always amazing to me just how, you know, they're just humans, right? <laughs> Who happen to make brilliant art. Huh. So it was like, oh, there's Josh. He's he's there. Um, not that <laughs> yeah. it wasn't exciting or anything, but um, right. Yeah, yeah, it's almost better. One of the things I love that you talked about was how like they really engaged with with questions and really tried to bring some, some context around their music and the work that they do. That's something that I have historically been a little bit disappointed in Christian musicians that a lot of times they may be talented musicians, but as soon as they have the mic to just like say something, it's just like the most inane, like vague platitudes and it's just like, how can you be so like beautiful and deep in your music and then just not know how to say anything like when you're not singing? Like, like you know, shouldn't we be able to like give a reason for the faith that is in us? Like at the very least, like to be able to just just say something, you know, about your work. And so I, I love that about about some of these, you know, Christian musicians that we talk about here on the Forefront podcast that they're people who you know, the best way that they express themselves and express their um, beliefs and their loves, uh, maybe through music, but that they also are able to express it just in words, in conversation, uh-huh. in a Q&A, whatever it might be, such that as somebody who's a fan of theirs or someone who listens to their music, you're able to to take something away from that. You're able to learn something. You're able to gain a greater perspective um, even beyond their music itself. And I, I, I love that that was a part of the experience that you had where the music was powerful, but it was like also even more than that. Right. Well, well, it's funny that you bring that up because both the Great Havens and Josh, like all of them while they were on stage were like the Great Havens had so much to say about their experience with grace. Yeah. Uh, and they like both, both David and Alicia, they were just so well articulated. And yeah. and Josh gets up there and he sings this new song that is going to be on his new album. And before it, he prefaced it with this story where like he had lost his voice or something and he'd been praying about it. And he had like a week before he had to go record his new album. And this couple that he knows like came over, they started praying for him. And like he talks about how like, the guy praying for him started speaking in tongues and they both got this image of like a butterfly or a chrysalis or something. And it's like, he's standing on the stage in the house of blues in Chicago. (laughs) Like (laughs) it was mild. That's a bold man. Mm. Yeah. But like the audience, I mean, you know, like the audience is like mostly believers, but still like everyone received it well and was excited and 
I mean, large portions of that concert just felt like a worship experience, a mm-hmm. worship whole, rather. Mm-hmm. Um, one kind of theme to Josh's performance was something that I've been reflecting a lot on recently, just in my music making, is uh, an open-handedness with our desires and our our hopes. Uh, he, I wrote it down in my phone because I wanted to remember it, but he said, the more you give up, the more you receive of what your heart really desires. Mm. And he framed that, he said, that's a spiritual law. Yeah. So this, this, it, there was really just this theme of surrender. And in that surrender, receiving so much more than we could have ever desired on our own. Um, Dang, uh, bro. That's wise. Yeah, it was... This uh, dude is wise. Yeah. Were there any songs that you have really enjoyed listening to uh, just as as the song beforehand that hit you in a different way live? Hmm. That's a good question. Um, well, there's always something really special about seeing an artist and sharing in the moment this music that you've essentially lived with for a period mm. of time. <clears throat> I mean, the first time I saw Nora Jones in concert, I knew every word of that concert. And I was singing it with her, and it was amazing. And it was like that with Josh, except to I, I experienced this particularly he played his song hosanna from his christmas album actually um, uh, your favorite which i was not expecting at all <laughs> and just melted me um mm. it, it was just a moment of, of praise and worship to get to sing that song live with him mm. um, yeah, I mean that that was really the moment of the concert that stuck out for me. And the fact that he started his set with my favorite song of his, which is uh, it's at the table, right? Yeah. <laughs> at the table. Yeah, yeah, okay. Best yeah. song. Yeah. So good. Um yeah. Dude, I, I'm curious like so you go to church and the lyrics are always like in text on the screen in front of you. Um, you know, for 2000 years it's been that way, I'm sure with the PowerPoint slides and everything. but when you go to a concert like this it's like you talk about it's kind of it's worshipful but at the same time it's not a church service and it's you know it's like a it's like a private artist so how much of the lyrics were up there and how much of it was just like more traditional like you either know these lyrics because you're a hardcore fan or you just kind of have to listen i mean yeah it was like that it wasn't unlike any other concert that you'd go see. I mean, there weren't any lyrics up on the screen or anything. Um, mm-hmm. I sang along to the songs that I knew and the ones that I didn't, I just jammed along to. Um, but I mean, going back to just being at this concert by myself, it was interesting that it was, it was an interesting experience to be like surrounded by tons of people, but feeling like you're kind of, in one sense alone singing and taking everything in. It was um, just you and Josh. It was just you and Josh. Just me and Josh. 
Beautiful. That's awesome. Well, we we here at Forefront are, are big fans of both Josh Garrels and the Grey Havens. Uh, the, the Grey Havens performed at Forefront 2017, and that that was beautiful and, and amazing, and great to get to know them. So definitely look them both up on Spotify or Apple Music, your favorite music streaming service. Or if you're really hardcore, uh, go on their website and buy a CD or even a vinyl. So uh, de- definitely check them out and uh, go see them live. So um, I'm, I'm glad, Zach, uh, you, got, you got to see them live. That's absolutely the best way to do it. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to pass it off to Cody next. Uh, Cody, what's been going on with you? Yes, sir. So... Last week, I actually was at a concert myself. I went to uh, 21 Pilots. You guys familiar with these uh, these guys? <laughs> a little bit. So uh, apparently they were like, at least one of them was pretty heavily involved in Young Life, which is a Christian like parachurch organization. And so they've got this like really vague, loose connection to uh, faith. And they're they're for sure not like explicit about it in a way that even a Josh Garrels is, who is actually pretty subtle uh, mm-hmm. and artful. But, uh, you know, a friend bought a ticket for me and it was, they're huge. I mean, they're all over the radio and super mainstream and, but it's just two guys that put on this insane show. And uh, I don't know, I, I was, I was blown away by that. And I was very intrigued as to like, what, what, what's these guys deal, you know? Um, do they, do they have a background? Do they not? And so, Anyway, I, I'll be I'll be in touch with Twenty One Pilots, and we'll see what uh, we'll see if they make the cut for a, a Forefront Twenty Twenty or whatever, or Forefront Twenty Twenty One, perhaps. True, would be, uh-huh. would be appropriate. Nathan, with the pun. We've been on for over ten minutes, and that's only one pun. Good job, buddy. Forefront Twenty Twenty One Pilots. <laughs> okay, um, but no. In, in addition to that, I've I've really been enjoying uh, Joel Ansett's album, uh, The Nature of Us. Yeah, uh, got that on Spotify. And I just, Nate, and I think, Zach, you guys have known Joel for a while, but I just met him at our fundraiser a couple months ago. And uh, just as the nicest dude, down to earth, um, mm-hmm. played some played some music for us live and immediately caught my attention. And I've been loving his music the last uh, couple months. I was on a date with my wife the other night, and uh, I played this song, Already in Love, from the nature yeah. of us, and just... I mean, the dude is just classy, you know, it was, yeah. it immediately set the mood. The atmosphere was romantic. It was, you know, I owe you a special thank you, Joel. I know you're listening. <laughs> so thank you for helping to strengthen my marriage and uh, the, the highlight of my date night. So anyway, that that's a great album. Uh, but what I'm most excited yeah. to chat about tonight is uh, Peace Like a River, which is a novel I finished. Uh recently it's it's by leaf anger uh it's actually not new is uh published in 2001 um but it uh was hugely successful uh new york times bestseller i think but isn't every book a new york times bestseller right <laughs> i don't know what that means but it was it's really popular um but what struck me is that it, it was popular like across you know Christian and secular audiences alike, even though it's got some pretty explicit Christian uh, themes and references in it. Uh, in fact, the title Peace Like River is from a hymn. What what hymn is that from, boys? Do we know? I should know that. 
Never heard of it. It is well. It is well. <laughs> Zach, you're being sarcastic. I know you are. If you don't know it is well, you gotta go listen to that. But anyway, uh, this uh, yeah, this guy uh, just wrote an incredible novel, and he's got several books out. Apparently, I'm, I plan to read them in the future. But um, I just loved it. It it came recommended to me by another podcast I listened to, uh, the Happy Ramp podcast. Those guys, um, those guys were talking about how they have this man crush on Lee Fanger, how he's like this incredible writer. And so I checked him out and I was not disappointed. Um, the first thing I look for in a novel is uh, style of writing or imagery. That is like, not only what, like what's the story about, but how is the story told and what are the sentences like? So I can I can pick up a book and read a couple sentences and say, oh, yeah, this is the kind of thing I'm into or this isn't really my preference. And uh, immediately I could tell that this guy is a master of language. Um, his paragraphs could be I mean, you could take a paragraph out of this book and it could be a prose poem. You know what I mean? He just has that kind mm -hmm. of ability to craft sentences and pick the right word. Um, so I, I love it for that. But also. Uh, the genre is really interesting. It's kind of like this magical realism thing where uh, it, it's extremely realistic. It's just about a family and uh, an older brother gets uh, in trouble, breaks out of jail, and the family's just looking for him as, at the same time the cops are looking for him. And so it's just really this this family adventure told through the, the uh, perspective of uh, the narrator, Ruben, who's an 11 year old kid. And it's kind of a coming, coming of age thing. And, uh, the plot was incredible, but the, the magical realism part, the magical part comes in with the father who is this, uh, extremely faithful and spiritual guy who's incredibly close to the Lord relationally. And he kind of randomly pulls off like miracles. Um, and, it's it sounds bizarre, but it just works. I don't know how it works and how this guy was so explicit with Christian themes, but still appealed to a huge audience. I don't know how it works, but it works. Um, and the best part of the book, of course, is the end. There's I won't ruin anything, but there's a heaven scene and it's it's rivals C.S. Lewis's The Last Battle finale to Narnia. Okay, I know that's a bold statement, but if you guys know the, the last book of the Narnia series, uh, they're running through heaven and they're finally mm. there in the kingdom of God and it's beautiful and it's like this incredible right conclusion. Mm. This guy has a chapter at the end of his book that is like, if it's that if it were written for adults instead wow. of a children's book. And so I'm telling you, it is highly recommended. Um the, the only questions I have sometimes like the 11 year old care narrator is uh, telling the story as if he were like a student in an MFA program. Like it's almost unbelievable how articulate his speeches and his inner thoughts are sometimes. So that's, a, that's a little, you know, ask you to uh, suspend your disbelief a little bit. But other than that, I mean, a, a pure, pure joy, that book. Peace Like a River by Lee Fanger. All right. Is it kind of like a, awesome. a, um, like Terrence Malick, Tree of Life Heaven kind of ending? 
I, I know I've heard of Terrence Malick. I don't know that work or or what that's about, but um, the ending is it's it's satisfying. I'll say that, and it's just a it's just a scene, really image driven scene of these characters who die and are um, experiencing heaven, and uh, just you know it's it's basically the the author's uh, imagination of what that might be like, and so. Um, it was just like, I, I put the book down and I felt like encouraged down to the depths of my soul. And, you know, that sounds cliche, but that's exactly how I felt. It was, mm. it was the most uplifting book and it wasn't trite at all. It wasn't cliche. It's not, uh, a Christian book by any means. It's a artistic book by an incredible writer. So yeah. Cody, who do you say this book is for who should read it? Hmm. I would say it's, it's for anybody looking for a good story that that's the great thing is uh, like, I can pick up a book of poetry and enjoy that. Cause I love the language piece of it. But even if you're not wowed by language as much, the actual plot of the story uh, could appeal to just about anybody. I mean, it's, it's an adult novel, right? It's probably if you, you would get way more out of it as a 25 year old than a 15 year old, but um yeah, the, the 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 plot is incredible. Um, if if you're not a Christian, um, I'm really glad you're listening to the podcast this far, this episode. But uh, <laughs> if you're not a Christian, you'll love it. If you are a Christian, you'll love it. Um, maybe for different reasons, but uh, yeah, I, I would say it, it appeals to lots of people. Well, that's great. Uh, I look forward to reading that. I've been been eyeing it, and uh, this makes me want to read it. Yes, sir. So looks like I'm the next one up here. I'd like to talk about a couple things. One of them ties in really well with, with what Cody was talking about here. Uh, and I think just in regards to the value of stories, uh, including fiction stories in our lives, um, particularly those in a literature form, one of the people that talked about this kind of thing and wrote some of the best uh, books to, to dive into, into fantasy lands and faraway worlds is J.R.R. Tolkien. And uh, recently a biopic came out, a film called Tolkien that explores Tolkien's early life. And I just wanted to briefly talk about this film. I hope we get a chance to talk about it more in detail um, but before I, I give a brief shout out to it, I first want to mention that we have an article up on the Forefront Festival website. You can go to ForefrontFestival.com slash blog. And uh, Inkling scholar Brenton Dickieson has written uh, just a wonderful blog entry called The Tolkien Film and the Problem of Beauty. So if you're looking to uh, just get a sense of, of the value of this film, I would encourage you to read that entry. Um, but just my my brief take on it is that this is a really beautiful film. Um, it focuses on Tolkien's early life, so it's not primarily about the writing of his most famous work, uh, The Hobbit and The Lord of the Rings, though that does come into play a little bit. Um, it's not about his faith journey or his time with the Inklings. Uh, C.S. Lewis is not a character and that sort of thing. It's about his early life. And so it's about his his childhood and about his time uh, it, it, at university at Oxford. And it's a film that is about uh, friendship and fellowship and love 
and uh, how that led him to his love of language and of literature. And so it, it's it's a movie that I went into uh, with a little bit of trepidation and not knowing if it would either uh, idolize Tolkien or try to kind of tear down our image of him or whether it would try to draw too close connections between his life and the stories that he wrote um, when Tolkien himself uh, always tried to distance his work from his own experiences. But I, I walked away just really loving this movie. It's, it's just a classic biopic uh, that really dives into Tolkien's life, helps you to understand his experiences, the, the suffering and trials he went through, uh, the things that drove him, and, and the ways that he, he really learned to um, share friendship and fellowship and love with others and, uh, and to create some, some incredibly beautiful fantasy worlds. So I would highly encourage you to check it out. Uh, it's still in a, a lot of theaters and it'll be uh, coming to video on demand uh, and all kinds of video streaming services very soon. Again, it's called Tolkien and it's, uh, I think, a really worthwhile uh, film to see. And, and ultimately, I walk away with more respect for Tolkien and, and uh, a desire to jump more into his written work. That's awesome. You know... So I've yet to see the movie. I really want to. But I had some trepidation about it because I saw some piece about how Tolkien's estate didn't approve of the the film, something along those lines. Yes. This is actually a, a thing that happens frequently whenever uh, biopics are created because of necessity, uh, biopics have to take some liberties with the life of a person. So what you see in this fictional representation is it's a set of actors, right, working uh, based on a script that is not quite reality, right? So liberties are taken in any biopic that kind of drive the story and, and create a narrative um, and however, however um, accurate and faithful they try to be to the, the person that they're representing, and they, they often do try to be faithful to that, it's still not reality. It's still a fictional picture that's meant to kind of point you to the reality. And so because of that, it's actually very common for estates to make it clear that they do not support or endorse uh, fictional works based on the who the estate's based on and, and that's just to make sure that people understand the distinction so you've got the tolkien estate and you've got the real tolkien and then over here separate from that you've got this movie that came out and it, if they were to put their stamp of approval on it it would lend credibility to everything about the film and everything that happens in the film uh when in reality they want to preserve kind of the real tolkien apart from any fictional representations of him so it's actually a, a real common thing to do and uh, i don't think it should discourage anyone from seeing the movie uh, it doesn't mean that the it doesn't mean that the tolkien family hated the movie it doesn't mean they're against the movie it just means that they don't want to endorse it okay i gotcha yeah i'm gonna share something that uh takes a bit of courage and i don't know if this is gonna get, get me kicked off the board of this organization or what, but what, what is it inside of me that just doesn't, it isn't like, I haven't seen it. 
and I, I was invited to see it. And I just kind of probably ate potato chips and watched the office instead. <laughs> so what is like, I don't know, man, I guess, I guess I think it was cause I watched Lord of the Rings too late in my life. I didn't, <laughs> I didn't watch as a kid, you know? And so mm. now I'm screwed up and I, I only like Tolkien. I don't love him. So mm. maybe, maybe you could like talk me out of this or talk me into this or, yeah, I mean, you would think that after Tolkien made these beautiful movies that uh, you'd want to learn more about him as a director. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> well, no, even the fact that like, okay, if C.S. Lewis were in this movie, oh, I'd go see it. I'd have seen it already. And that that's just, I don't know. I have this, I have this thing with Lewis that almost just overshadows any kind of interest in and uh Tolkien, you know. So do you yeah. want me do you want me to convince you to like Tolkien or to like the biopic Tolkien? Like do you want do you want me to convince you to go see the movie or to actually like J.R.R. Tolkien? <laughs> I, I need to hear more about the man before we get get to any movies, you know. All right. Forget about the movie, let's talk about the man. Well, actually the movie might help you get to know the man a little bit, which I think would be cool. But mm-hmm. um yeah, T- Tolkien was uh, an incredible author. And Cody, I know you love good stories, as we've heard already on this podcast. Tolkien wrote some incredible stories. So I definitely encourage you to dig into um, uh, certainly The Hobbit and The Lord of the Rings and as as much of the uh, additional material as, as you're up for, for diving into. But those are some incredible works of literature. And I think on, on that alone, uh, that's impressive. But I think that one, one of the things that people often uh, might miss in their love for the Lord of the Rings is the fact that not only was he a kind of a storyteller and a story builder and a world builder, but he, he had this love for languages. He was a philologist actually. And so he, um, created a variety of languages, uh, just out of his own mind and, and out of his study of, of language and of historic languages. And so, um, it's an incredible, thing that people rarely do today and to see the level with which he did that um, really lends an incredible beauty to his languages um, that he uses within his books and to the poetry that he uses uh, and and to it just lends a very solid nature to the mythology that he creates mm-hmm. in a way that you just, just no fantasy author today can even come close so you just don't even want to try so that's that's a very special thing. I'm going to the yeah. I'm going to the nine o'clock showing. Awesome. <laughs> and uh, and and one other thing, of course, is that Tolkien helped draw Lewis to Christianity. I mean, Tolkien was a Catholic. He was a Christian, and he really had, I I think, a um, an interesting philosophy of how his faith impacted his work. And, and at forefront, that's something we talk about a lot. J.R.R. Tolkien didn't like allegory at all. He didn't want kind of one-to-one correspondence. He wanted he wanted his faith and his his values to be deeply embedded in his work in a way that you might not even notice unless you knew where to look. And uh-huh. when when you kind of realize that in your reading of something like The Lord of the Rings, uh, it is so beautiful and it is so deep. Um, and I might say different than the experience of reading the Chronicles of Narnia. So I think Tolkien was uh, an incredible man. And I think that this, this film um, helps you to, to really respect the work that he did and to be interested in learning more about him. 
Okay, let me clarify real quick before I get hate mail from our from our audience members. Um, I did read The Hobbit, and it was fantastic. I loved it. You know, had had you know my mom or dad read it to me when I was ten, it you know or or seven or whatever, maybe I would have loved it even more. But don't get me wrong, I, I think I just understood the beauty of the Hobbit character in the Lord of the Rings, like the film trilogy, this idea that like Frodo has to carry the ring because he's weak and, you know, it he can't do that much damage to everyone else. If someone else put on the ring, they could really like that whole, that whole theme. I was slow to catch on to that. I think it mm. took watching it at your house, Nate, last year, for like the, <laughs> yeah. the 10th time in my life before I like the beauty and subtlety of that. Um, really hit me but i appreciate that thank you if one person in the world can convince me uh it's nathan mancini so well thanks man yeah i, I hope that 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 five minute run through of my love for tolkien was was helpful but um i think we need a whole a whole podcast on this so i hope that we can delve into that in more detail later um so i did want to mention one other thing which is uh, that a song series I've been following has been completed. And in, in this moment of completion, I want to call it out for you. If you haven't heard of it yet, it is the Enneagram series by sleeping at last. Um, now sleeping at last is, is Ryan O'Neill and the work that he does with his music. And he's, I think one of the, the best Christian musicians working today, incredibly artistic, not only his music, but his lyrics are incredibly poetic and the creativity that he puts into his songs and the intentionality is, is just beautiful. So I'd really encourage you to look him up, Sleeping at Last, look him up on Spotify or Apple Music. And uh, this series that he's just finished is the Enneagram series, um, the Enneagram being these different types. Uh, everyone has a different type in the Enneagram. There are nine types. They're not just personality types. There's a bit more to it than that. There's a there's a lot to the Enneagram that I won't that I won't go into, but he's written a song for each of the nine types in the Enneagram. And so no matter who you are, there's a song in this nine song series specifically for you. And these are all songs of redemption um, that each different type of person can listen to their song. And it's the, each song is this journey of redemption. And so. Um, these these are some of the, I think, the most beautiful songs and, and most meaningful songs that have come out in the past year. And now that series is complete and you can listen to all of them. Uh, they're, they're just numbered one through nine and you can find them uh, on any music streaming service. So I would encourage you to look those up, listen to them. Uh, and, and hopefully you'll, you'll get something out of, out of it and it'll be meaningful to you. Mm -hmm. You know, one thing I was struck by, by that whole project too, um, aside from Ryan O'Neill's deep, earnest intentionality and in how he composes every song in that series, mm -hmm. but how his work, I, I feel his work in general, really kind of goes against the 21st century bend towards just quickness and now and immediacy uh yeah the enneagram series in particular just it's got when did you start it like a year and a half ago two years ago uh, so to just to, to receive something in the 21st century that's been 
cultivated over time, I think is really special. Um, but also I, what I found interesting about how his process of releasing this album is that he did kind of cater to the tempo of our culture in that he released each song as a single. So right. we kind of received it in parts and now we can receive it as this one whole. Yeah. I don't have any deep profound thoughts on that, but just there's something there. Yeah. He's an incredibly prolific artist and he actually puts, puts out songs frequently. Not, not only has he been doing these Enneagram songs, but also he's been releasing songs that are tied to astronomical events. So whenever something happens in the sky, uh, he's got a song for it that you can listen to while you watch that astronomical event. Uh, and it's just connected to it in beautiful ways. So it's, it's just so, so delightful, so creative and, uh, and I just love listening to it. Um, if, if there's ever a time when you can just be still and listen, uh, you, you can't do much better than sleeping at last. Mm-hmm. Good stuff. Excellent. That's what we like at Forefront. <laughs> Excellent, baby. Get some coffee. Excellent. Blind. All right. Well, with that, we'll bring this arts review to a close. Thank you so much for listening. If you've enjoyed Forefront 360, we would ask that you would leave us a positive review and high rating on apple podcasts and that's just going to help uh more people find forefront 360 and we we would really appreciate if you would do that you get a huge thanks and high five from us and uh yeah five stars is is what we recommend what we require in fact (laughs) and (laughs) we recommend you recommend us yes Mm. And you can, of course, follow everything that we're doing at ForefrontFestival.com. All right. We'll see you next time. See you later.